but that said we can still uh make the meeting happen i've got some i've got some initial for those of you who haven't been here before or attended our meeting uh before i've got some initial stuff to read i'm going to go through public advisories and other things and then we're going to get in get into the meat of the agenda so just bear with us for a moment uh I would like to just start the Zoning Adjustments Board meeting for Thursday, August 10th. Uh, welcome. Welcome. He's back. He showed up. All right. Now, now we've got seven. Great. I'm going to read the public advisory and then we'll get into the rest of it all. Uh, public advisory. This meeting will be conducted in a hybrid model with both in-person attendance and virtual participation available for members of the public. For in-person attendees, face coverings or masks that cover both the nose and mouth are encouraged. Face coverings will, will or can be provided by the city. They're available for attendees to use at the meeting. Members of commission, city staff, and the public are encouraged to wear a mask at all times, except when speaking publicly or at the public comment podium. Although masking is only encouraged, um, it is encouraged when speaking. Uh, for members of the public feeling sick, please don't come. Uh, do not attend the meeting in person. Currently, there are no physical distancing requirements in place by the state. Um, for an indoor event similar to this meeting. However, all attendees are requested to be respectful of the personal space of others. An area of the public seating area is designated as a distance seating area to accommodate anyone wishing for distance. And you can be in the back corner over there, but also these seats, if you notice, are spaced out a bit more uh, than those. Okay, a little bit more to read. To access the meeting remotely, I see some people have. Uh, you can join from a computer or your phone. Uh, you can use the web link that is on the agenda. If you don't wish for your name to appear on screen, you can use the drop-down menu and click on rename to rename yourself to be anonymous. You don't have to use your name. To request to speak, just use that little raise hand icon, and you can roll over the bottom over the screen with your mouse and click on it, and then I'll call on you. You can also join by phone, and the phone number is in the agenda. You can enter the web ID that's in the agenda. If you want to com comment with your phone, just press star nine, and then we also will see you and, and recognize you at the right time. Um, please be mindful that the teleconference is recorded, just as any ZAB meeting is recorded, and all other rules or procedure and decorum apply, whether you're online, virtual, or whether you're in person. Public testimony guidelines. This meeting is conducted in accordance with the Brown Act. Any member of the public may attend this meeting. Now, I, the chair, may limit the number of speakers and the length of time allowed for each speaker. But if you want to speak in person at the public hearing, please submit a speaker card. There's the a little green card, a light green card, to planning staff um, as early as you can at the meeting. If you fill it out, su submit it, and then I'll receive it. And as I receive them, then I can call on you and you, you can uh, speak to your topic. At the start of the meeting, the chair may also rearrange the agenda or place additional agenda items on the consent calendar. That's all I have for that. So first, let's start with uh, the roll call, please. Thank you, Chair Duffy. Uh, when I call your name, uh, please indicate if you are here and if you have any ex parte. Commissioner Trigu. Present and no ex parte. Chair Duffy? Present, no ex parte. Chair Gaffney? Present, no ex parte. Commissioner Thompson? 
Commissioner Lunapara? Here, no ex parte. Commissioner O'Keefe has an excused absence. Commissioner Crandall? I'm here. I have two ex partes. One is I met with Deb Sanderson yesterday to discuss the, the agenda and go through the projects. And I just had a five minute conversation with Kevin Casey uh, about his project on, uh, on Derby Street. On, could you say that last one again? I'm sorry. Sure. Kevin Casey is here. And I just spoke with him before the meeting for about five minutes about his project a little bit on, uh, on uh, Derby Street. Thank you. Commissioner Young? Here, no ex parte. <clears throat> Commissioner Sanderson? Here, no ex parte. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll now move to public comment on non-agenda matters. So as usual, we usually start with anybody in person. Uh, if you have yeah. anything that's not on the agenda uh, that you'd like to speak okay. about, you can. And I then we'll go to anybody on the connect to my hotspot on both computers. So you need to mute. Okay. Somebody was speaking. All right. Well, we're good. Um, is that a public comment on non-agenda matters or agenda matters? Agenda. It's an agenda item. Okay. So let's start with non-agenda items. And um, I don't see anybody here or have any green cards wishing to speak on non-agenda items. Is there anybody online? I do see one hand raised. So we will begin uh, with you. Kelly Hammergren, you are, you're live. Welcome. Okay, thank you. I was going to tell you that the transcript wasn't working, but it appears that that was just turned on at 1908, 7.08 p.m. So the live transcription is now functional. Thank you. Um, and then, uh, as I usually say, we have a number of uh, projects. We have two projects on consent tonight. I just hope that on all of our projects, we if there are plantings to have native plants, encourage that and bird safe glass. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your comments. And I know that you know this, but uh, it's it's great that also staff and the applicants for those projects have heard your comment. So thank you. Um, we have no other we have no other public comment on non-agenda matters. Um, that was actually a comment about the agenda. Uh, so now we're going to move to, we have no agenda changes, um, but to the consent calendar. And the consent calendar involves a few items. One is approval of the action minutes from July 27th. There are two other items. Item number two, 2147 San Pablo Avenue the recommendation to approve 2813 8th Street with the recommendation to approve. So that's the consent calendar. Now, if we have anyone on the on the board who wishes to pull anything from consent, um, please speak up now. We also will have any public comment if anybody wishes to speak about the consent calendar and offer information that uh, that they would like to say. I know. Uh, Yep, you can do that. We'll have a place for you to do that. You can speak in person or you can also speak online. 
there was just a comment about uh, native plantings and bird safe glass, but if there are any other comments that anyone might like to say, you can speak now uh, regarding any item on the consent calendar. I've got no green cards, There's nobody in public here that wishes to speak on the consent calendar and nobody with a raised hand. I see a raised hand. It's Kelly. <laughs> Go for it, Kelly. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to pull up the plans again on this um, 2813 8th Street. And if my memory serves me correctly, there was like a a piece in here for an ADU. Um, is this part of the project or is this a, a future project? How does this fit in? I mean, that um, we show the second house and then attached to that second house is an, is an ADU. And I found that very confusing and concerning because we're covering so much of the land with um, hardscape. So that's my comment. Okay, thank you for your comment. Any other comments regarding the consent calendar? No? Board Member Tregu. Uh, thank you. Um, just wanted to note, I don't think 281388 has an ADU on the project because it is a non-residential project and maybe a comment to Kelly. I know we can't do a back and forth, but perhaps you may have been referring to the next project we'll talk about. But uh, I actually did have a question uh, for staff on 2147 San Pablo. If staff could confirm um, condition 60 on transportation demand management, when it says one monthly pass for unlimited local bus transit service up to a maximum of two benefits per dwelling unit, are you counting each individual GOA room as a unit? Um, yes, and um, the way that it works for GLAs is actually it's one pass per GLA room, which I think when we look at this particular project, it's the same as a dwelling unit bedroom. Like it's like it ends up being the same number. It's 128. Okay. Yeah, I can confirm that. It's dwelling units are not GLA rooms, but we are providing one per room, unit, whatever you want to call it uh, for this project, as well Sorry. as a real-time transportation. And that question was for staff. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, staff, might it be appropriate to perhaps clarify that? Thinking about maybe a con, you know, just when we approve this, a possible 
amendment to clarify yes. and memorialize this? Yes, I think um, I think that 60B should be changed to say one monthly pass for unlimited local bus transit service for every GLA room. Thank you. Could I inter interrupt my comment? It, it, right now, it's for every bedroom. Some of these units are multiple bedrooms. So it would seem to me that a lot of the units have one bedroom. It would seem to me to, that we would like to have a pass for each bedroom so that the units that have two or three bedrooms will get two or three passes. So I'm not sure why you're interested in changing it. Oh, I see what you're saying. And um, if that is the interpretation, then yes, I would support okay. more <laughs> transit passes. Yeah, so it, it refers to one monthly pass for unlimited local bus transit service for every bedroom in each dwelling unit. And each of the GLA units is counted as a dwelling unit. So, uh, I mean, they're not, there's 128 dwelling units, which includes each of the GLA units. That's my read. Would that get us to 140? seven, sorry, 128 transit passes, or would it be more? Than it would that? be the same as the count of bedrooms. I don't know offhand what it is, but yeah. I know that some of the units have more than one bed. I, I believe it's 128. Yeah. I think the That's manager's unit is the only one that has um, a second bedroom. Oh, okay. So whichever way, <laughs> um, you get one for each bedroom. To me, that's perfect. Yeah, I I would draw my suggestion in light of that. Okay, then. I, I, sorry. Go ahead. I actually had another question about the project. Um, what makes these rooms, these units, one bedroom instead of studios? Is it just is it because they're GLA and they don't have the full? kitchen or what how do you like to find to differentiate between one bedroom and a studio um well they're gla oh, sorry i don't have the definitions right in front of me um but these do not have full kitchens within them so they're um not individual units and flipping to the floor plan. I, they are each individual um, rooms. It, when you look at the floor plan, they have their own entrance. Okay, thank you. Um, and I also wanted to tell the applicant that the bike parking is really, really cool. <laughs> this like specific spaces for the cargo and e-bikes is really awesome. So props. It's a Berkeley architecture firm. Maybe they know how many cargo and e-bikes are riding around around here. I think they know. 
a clarification about the studio versus one bedroom. I don't have the code in front of me and I don't know the specific the Berkeley code, but in general, like as an architect, a lot of times it's just about having a separate sleeping area. And so if you have a separate sleeping area, it can be a wood bedroom. And there's there's interpretations of what that really means. But um, you could imagine, of course, a one bedroom having a completely separate bedroom, of course, it's a one bedroom. Yeah, I asked because in the plan, it kind of seemed like there it wasn't separate. So that's why I was a little confused as to why they were labeled as one bedroom and not studios. Maybe staff can look up the definition and we can learn together. Go on. <laughs> that would be great. We would learn together. Board member Trago. Yeah, sorry. So um, <laughs> in light of what was just discussed, do I understand that some of these maybe studios and because they're studios, there is one interpretation that they may not include bedrooms. And if so, would it um, staff, may, maybe based on the discussion we had um, in your professional opinion, what would be most helpful in memorializing that there will be 128 transit passes? Yes, studios are still required to provide transit passes. Um, so for purposes of like the transportation demand management um, requirements, a studio would be considered a bedroom. So does, is an it, amendment to the con to condition 60 needed or is it clear that that's what will be provided? I think it's clear. I do think that it's cleaner to say um, for every GLA room, but it gets you the same. It does get you the same thing. Okay. So we're like we're not looking at the building code definition of a of a bedroom. So it's basically one per like residential unit. Okay. Thank you. Any other discussion? I hate to do this. <laughs> My question is also about like the interaction between GLA and definition of unit. Um, in the, the in one of the um, plan views, the uh, the architect indicated that there was some open space that did not count toward the minimum open space requirement, which I presume is because it's only available to one unit. It's not like, is that not the case? There are no. Was that a question? I'm sorry. Was that a question first? Well, uh, here, let me finish it. It's so, also affected by the dimensions. So if you have a space that's where one of the dimensions is less than the minimum required, it can be used as open space, but it doesn't count toward open oh, space. Oh, like a balcony has to be a minimum size. Or on the ground, it would have to be. So it, it, it doesn't count everything that might be used as open space. It has to meet the definition. Hmm. Okay, so I guess it seemed like the architect thought there was a minimum open space requirement, but the staff report indicated there wasn't. There is no open space required for group living accommodations. Thank you for that. Yeah. Any more questions? Okay, with that, I'd like to make a motion to approve the consent calendar, which involves the action minutes from July 27th. Item number two, 2147 San Pablo Avenue, recommendation to approve. And item number three, 2813 8th Street, recommendation to approve. I second. 
um, any discussion? Board Member Tregu. Um, I wanted to see if the maker and seconder would be friendly to the cleanup suggested by staff on condition 60 on 2147 San Pablo. And if you would be amenable to three recommendations, not conditions, um, in Port Save class on native plantings and hard hats requirements as adopted by council. Can you repeat your list? Sure. The, uh, the suggestion proposed by staff um, cleaning up condition 60 on TDM, where it would still get to the same amount of transit passes. Um, so before, let's just, so I understand what was the language for that, um, that you've worked on? Um, I would say one monthly pass for unlimited local bus service for every GLA room. Because they're only single family, they're only single bedroom units. In the building. Yeah, single There's units. No... Okay. I don't care. And should I go on? Well, the recommendations, I... I'm not comfortable with that. I think you, if you are wish, if you would like to make an alternate motion, I I'm comfortable with that. I will make a substitute motion on the consent calendar, which would be the cleanup on COA 60 on 2147 San Pablo as just described by staff and with the recommendations on board safe class, native plantings and hard hats ordinance. I will second. And so now, correct, we've done this only a few times before, so help me along here. Now we get to discuss which one, is that correct? Which one we are going to discuss, is that right? As a procedural means? Uh, we vote on the substitute motion first. Thank you. But we can discuss anything, but we vote on the substitute motion first. If that fails, we go to the main motion. Oh, thank you. But wouldn't we have an opportunity to discuss the substitute motion? For sure. That's what I, yeah. First and foremost, we can discuss the substitute okay. motion. Thank you, board member Jagu. Appreciate it. I like it. So, all right, I'm going to talk. Um, this is cool. I like this. This is like actually an instance where like what the utility of a recommendation is. Um, and I like being forced to have to talk about it. Um, a recommendation is, you know, it's, it's us suggesting something and there's no um, stick to it. And I guess my personal preference is that we, you know, I mean, this is just me talking, but like, I would prefer, you know, substantive policy implementation rather than virtue signaling and, you know, how we go or how I go about decision making. So 
that's just my personal preference. But at the end of the day, you know, with that lens in mind, it doesn't substantially change anything either. So I'm perfectly fine supporting recommendations as well. Um, so I guess, yeah, but between the, uh, conflicting inclinations toward both ends, I would, you know, just vote for whichever, um, had to choose one, maybe the recommendations, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I would like to point out that the hard hats ordinance and the bird safe glass was adopted by council and will be implemented. It just hasn't been implemented yet. Um, I guess my comment is if they're already required by law, um, then they're required by law. Not everything required by law is put in as a condition of approval. So, um, and as far as changing the quote cleanup, to me, it's perfectly clear that every bedroom if you got someone sleeping in a bed, it's a bedroom. Um, so I don't see the need for it. The policies haven't been implemented yet, so they're not in effect yet. So they were adopted, but they're not in effect this year yet. When do they go into effect? I believe next year, 2024. I'm believe yeah i think that's right so they would cover projects uh prospectively um and i think actually for bird safe it covers new projects correct me if i'm wrong that but there is that donut hole projects that are already in the process so it you know that's why we could not require something retroactively as a condition but it is a recommendation to conform with something that will be going into effect. So you're proposing a recommendation only, not a condition of approval for bird safe glass? Yes, to be mm-hmm. very clear, the recommendations okay. are on bird safe glass, hard hats, and native plantings, and all of these are recommendations. <sighs> jump in. Board member Young, but board member Crandall, you also uh, you'll be next. Oh, sorry. I- uh, I'd like to hear from staff you know, on these on the substitute motion. What, what your opinion is? Um, I'm not a decision maker, so I don't have an opinion um, on any of the motions. But um, to Commissioner Treegoob's point, uh, bird safe glass is effective. It went into effect on July 27th. Um, and the project at 2147 San Pablo is vested prior to that under SB 330. Um, and so they will not be required to comply with the birth safe provisions. Thank you. You know, just, just one of the other point about the clarification or the substitute motion about the transit passes. Do you feel as though that clarification is needed, or do you feel it's written covers it? I think you get the same thing either way. Thank you. All right, and then just one comment on my board member, with all due respect, thank you. And this is a learning moment for me, and this is a learning moment for all of us. So 
please know that. And and I, that I that I, I I often do support those recommendations too, and I understand um, the reasoning um, behind them, and I think they're very important. But I also think that they're to Board Member Young's comment that they are part of a policy, uh, part of a, a part of policy that is separate and has its own legal uh, dates on when they apply, and for us to um, to then say that they should retroactively also apply, even if it's a recommendation. I feel sometimes I, I like, you know, those are policies that are uh, have been addressed and are, and are soon to be, um, especially with hard hats, soon to be better researched and then better understood and then reinforced in due time. So those uh, tracks of, of evaluation and implementation, I like to respect those as separate and independent. And then uh, that's that's my general take, and that's just the that was just the reasoning, um, because I feel like those recommendations are handled in another in another circumstance. Board Member Sanderson. So, as a seconder of the motion, um, I wouldn't support those amendments. Uh, I'm I'm not real comfortable with putting recommendations in a permit where everything else in the permit is required. Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The, the applicant is hearing all of this and it kind of knows what the ZAB thinks. But I, the practice of putting recommendations in the conditions of approval seems to me to lead to confusion in the long run. Um, so I wouldn't support that. And I, I, I think the... Um, I agree with yes on these are... Um, changes that have been approved by the council. They have an implementation date. If the council had wanted them to be implemented sooner, they could have said so. Some things are implemented at the point of completeness, and sometimes it's 30 days no matter what. So the council had an opportunity to, to change the effective date of these ordinances, and I would rather see them implemented the way they are written by the, and approved by the council rather than having us, you know, say, oh, well, you're not really, we're not requiring it, we're just recommending it. Uh, to me, it's just muddies the water. And as far as the uh, number of, of passes, um, I don't see the reason to, to change the recommendation, change the motion to for something that gets you exactly what the language in the condition already says. So to me, it's perfectly clear. If there's a bedroom, a bedroom, if you have an efficiency, um, a studio, there's a bedroom in there. It may not have a wall around it. It's the whole unit. So there's a bed and someone's going to sleep in it. It's a bedroom. Um, so sometimes we count other rooms as bedrooms, but in this case, they're all the same. Each one has a bed. So I don't see the point in um, changing the motion. Although I understand and appreciate what you're trying to do, and we have done that on some other projects. But in this case, um, I'm not comfortable with it. Thank you. Board Member Gaffney. Hi. Well, I think this is a um, really good discussion for us to have since we have made this um, these recommendations on prior projects. Um, that way we can kind of get it all out on the table. Um, 
and make sure that as we go forward that we're remaining as consistent as possible um, mm -hmm. as to not also provide confusion. Um, I've really appreciated yes and Deborah's um, feedback on this because it's uh, going along with the legislation timing that the council has um, laid out already, I think actually is something that I hadn't initially thought of when we first initially made these recommendations um, for prior projects. Um, and uh, for that reason, uh, that's the motion that I'll be supporting. But I do appreciate this conversation and I think it's good for us to have for new projects coming up. Thank you. Any other discussion? And I just wanna be clear about the, the, the since we're discussing the concept of, recommend, of recommendations, there can be many recommendations that do not have to do with the matters of city council. And that's why I think recommendations can be also like very effective and very useful for our board here. But that's just a thought there. And that was the reasoning and the parsing out between the difference. Okay, any other comments? Then we will, board member Luna Barr. I, I think that the, the point about council was a really good point and I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking back to some of these meetings and a lot of the time council, the reason why council will at least in my experience, we'll, we'll wait for things to come into effect is um, partly because of staff capacity and um, enforcement. And if that isn't relevant, I don't think that that's something we necessarily have to take into consideration as strongly, but I, that was a really interesting thought and I appreciate it. Thank you. Board Member Jagu. Yeah, and I also appreciate this discussion and the variety of perspectives. This has been the most interesting meeting we've had in a long time. <laughs> we've, we've had a policy conversation and those are always interesting. I will just note that with a, a number of these recommendations, uh, particularly on board save glass and native plantings, um, it took a lot of, I, I have to give credit where it's due from members of the public like Kelly, coming to us week after week, coming to the DRC, coming to the council. And then, uh, but also um, it took, I think our push as well, um, because we have also been making those recommendations, even when board safe glass and native plantings were not in effect as ordinances or policies. So I would not short shrift our power and ability to influence policy. And I want to say that before we go to a vote, um, however you end up voting on the substitute motion. Board Member Young. Okay, um, I made up my mind. I made an opinion. I have an opinion now. <laughs> so on one side, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of virtue signaling or like engaging in like prescriptive, you know, um, decision-making that doesn't have kind of a material impact. Um, but the other hand, you know, sometimes I'm watching what's going on in the federal government or the state legislature. And I'm like, you know, this one person I like, you know, it's like sports to me. This one person I like proposes a bill and then I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. And then like a bunch of other people are like, no, I don't like that. And I'm like, but it doesn't really, you know, it's not that relevant to you or anyway. It's like, just if you're indifferent about it, just let it happen. It's okay. 
And so those are the two conflicting like inclinations for me. I think the second one kind of outweighs the first one. Um, because at the end of the day, I consider myself like a outcomes oriented utilitarian. So if it doesn't, um, like really matter, then I'm just okay with it. So I'll just support the recommendations. Appreciate the explanation. Okay. Then we go to a vote on the substitute motion, right? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, this is to vote on the substitute motion, which is to um, approve the consent calendar, including the action minutes, uh, the use permit for 2147 San Pablo, with a revised condition of approval um, to say group living accommodation rooms and recommendations for bird safe glass, native plantings, and to follow the hard hat ordinance and approval of the use permit for 2813-8. Did I get all of that correct? Yes. Commissioner Trigo? Thank you. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Trigo. Yes. Chair Duffy. I want to make sure that I uh, see the big picture here and don't get lost in the details. I appreciate you, Board Member Trigo, always, and 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 I and I appreciate your guidance and perspective. My vote is yes. I'm sorry. Did you vote yes? Yes. Vice Chair Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Thompson is absent. Commissioner Lunapara. Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe is absent. Commissioner Crandall? Abstain. What was that? Abstain. Thank you. Commissioner Young? Yes. And Commissioner Sanderson? I'm afraid I'll be the only no, but I think it's a dangerous path to go down. I understand. Thank you. Five yeses. That's Correct. five yeses, one no, one abstain. And the motion passes. Thank you. That means that the consent calendar has been approved. So items number two and items number three have been approved. So um, they are appealable. There is a 14-day period at which they are appealable um, from the day at which the notice of decision has been mailed. And then uh, pending no appeals, you have your use permit. Thank you. And thank you for bearing with us and for your patience, everybody. Okay. We have one item on the action calendar. Item number four, 1515 Derby Street. We have Brian Garvey presenting for staff. Thank you. Ready? Good to go. Yeah, let me let me get you moved over. Sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, you're in. Oh, yeah, let me share. Okay. You can go ahead and share your screen.
சொன்னார் Good evening, ZAB members. My name is Brian Garvey, and the project before you tonight is a use permit for a single-family residence at 1515 Derby Street. The proposed project is to demolish a two-car garage and construct a three-story single-family residence behind the current single-family home. The site is located at 1515 Derby Street, four houses east of Sacramento Street. The subject parcel is currently developed with a one-story, four-bedroom, single-family home. Shown here is the street view of the proposed sites and the neighboring properties. The proposed single-family dwelling is located behind the existing home with an attached dwelling unit with an attached accessory dwelling unit, which is allowed by right and not a part of the permit. The applicants request an AUP for a reduced rear, rear setback of four feet, which is allowed on a lot with two or more main units with no additional findings required. The proposed dwelling have, has four bedrooms and three bathrooms. The existing front unit has four bedrooms as well, with the brings the total bedrooms to eight on the lot. The attached here is the proposed elevations. The new dwelling is three stories with a maximum height of 35 feet, which meets the code. A neighbor at 1518 Carlton Street submitted a letter of opposition on March 23rd citing concerns about the impacts to sunlight on the property. The neighbor at 1510 Carlton Street submitted a letter of opposition on August 1st that noted concerns about potential impacts to sunlight and requested an increase to the proposed setback. All neighbor correspondence is included in attachment four. While the proposed dwelling would cast new shadows, impacts would be limited in duration in effect and will not be substantially diminished sunlight for the affected residents. The proposed building would cast new shadows on 1518 Carlton Street during the winter and spring afternoons. Shadows are already cast on 1518 Carlton Street by the existing temple located at 1521 Derby. Shown here are the existing and proposed shadows uh, three times throughout the year. Staff believes the project would not be unreasonably obstruct sunlight, privacy, air, or use X construction. The project is consistent with the existing development and building-to-building -building separation. Staff recommends ZAB approve the use permit subject to attached findings and conditions. Thank you. Mic drop on the visual exit there, oh like gosh. that. That's pretty special. Uh, now we have the applicant. You have five minutes to present the project. Once you get set up, can I get some welcome help on setting up? Can I get some help on setting up? Thank you. 
Oh, it's like a Bluetooth connection? It's just a you have to join the Zoom meeting. And then you do it like virtually, but you can talk to it. Ashley, you're being promoted to a panelist and you should be able to share screen from there. Um, good evening, everyone. My name is Ashley and I'm the applicant for this use permit. I am a senior designer and project manager at New Avenue Homes. Uh, we are a housing company that is passionate about improving our clients' homes and increasing housing in the Bay Area. To introduce you a little bit more to the project neighborhood, this is a diagram showing the amount of multifamily lots in our block vicinity. To our west, we have two two-story structures. To our north, we have three single-family homes on a single lot. And on the other side of this um, large temple adjacent to us is a three-story multifamily structure. Here are the photos showing our street derby with the project site here. Um, there is a schoolyard across from our property. Next to us is the temple and the three-story multifamily. And these are our backyard neighbors on Carlton, the Carlton Collective, the three uh, single-family homes directly to the north of our property, and to their left, 1518 Carlton. Our proposal for a new three-story single-family home is in the backyard of the existing house. Um, though this is not in the scope of this use permit application, um, I want to talk a little bit about the greater redesign of this entire property. So the existing single-family house will remain the same on the exterior, but become two two-bed, one-bath units. We will also be building a 1,000-square-foot, three-bed, two-bath ADU. So where there was once one unit, this lot will now hold four, from a less than 700 square foot unit to this proposed 1,800 square foot house. This micro community is the kind of complex we are dedicated to providing. We want to have variety in the housing we create by meeting our future clients and collaborators with homes that are the right size, right place, and right price. This existing site plan shows a two-car garage that will be demolished as part of the scope. We chose to orient all the units behind the existing house and along this adjacent temple so that there wasn't um, an ominous massing right at the rear yard, and so that all the units open spaces connect and adds to the feeling of the slot being communal garden. The ADU is between the existing house and the proposed single family house so that we could follow the requirements of minimum open space as well as a minimum building separation. 
Looking at the front facade of our proposed house, you can see that we sloped our roof down so that its lowest point is along the rear property line for our north neighbors. And it also has the most minimal openings compared to the other elevations for privacy with no windows at all in the second story. Um, we will also be painting the exterior white to reflect the most amount of light. Um, here's the elevation facing the temple and the street strip elevation um, where you can see the layering of the existing front house, the two-story ADU behind it, and then finally the proposed project behind both of those structures. Um, this is the floor plans. To the top of the screen here is the north where the Carlton neighbors are. To the right of the page is the temple. So our first story is the public space. The second story is the primary suite and laundry room. The third floor is three bedrooms and a flex space. Um, this is the building section. So our ceiling heights are roughly nine feet on the first floor eight foot six on the second floor, and then as low as six foot 10 on the third floor. And to end, we're gonna go through the comparative shadow studies that Brian already presented. Um, on the left, we have existing conditions. So the house, as well as the garage to be demolished. And then as proposed on the right, this is summer solstice at 7.30 in the morning, summer at noon, summer at 7 p.m., winter solstice at 9 a.m., winter at noon, winter at 3.30 p.m., spring equinox at 8 a.m., spring at noon, and lastly, spring at 4 p.m. And that concludes my presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Now we move to the part where the board can ask you any questions. If the board has any questions for the applicant, please speak up and I'll call on you. Board member Young. So sick. <laughs> I'm so stoked for this. This is like the run up to like missing middle, all that good stuff that we so badly need in our R1 and R2 districts. Um, I just wanted to ask, begin by asking a clarifying question. Um, did, did you say it was a four, that the entire parcel will become four units? That's correct. Oh, I guess I read this as three. What, um, so the backyard single family house as proposed, mm -hmm. the proposal is backyard single family house, ADU, and then the front single family house will remain. The front uh, single family house will become two units. Oh, okay. I, can I clarify please the do. application please in do. front of us today, um, does not include anything on the front unit. Um, so while there may be overall plans to do things in the future, the use permit before us today is just for the new single family house in the um, to the rear of the existing. And I would just also like to clarify that the ADU is also not in our purview and consideration right now. And so it shouldn't and couldn't affect the decision-making of ours uh, as well. Thank you for that. That's very helpful. Um, my last question is, um, I just wanted to ask about the floor plan, the ground level floor plan for the single family house. Um, to uh, Adjacent to the powder room, there's a 
like a closet looking space that looks like a pantry and then there's a room called wh um what is wh a water heater oh okay great thank you board member Tregu. uh thank you um this is both questions for actually for staff apologies i should have asked previously but um can you just we have some new board members and also frankly i can't recall because we've gone back and forth on interpretation um can you confirm what i think how it reads in the staff report is this is a housing accountability act compliant project um as a single family home i think we've gone back and forth on applicability of the haaa to one um single dwelling unit versus two plus can you just please clarify yes um the um housing accountability act does apply um because they are adding a second dwelling unit to the site i see okay um and there was i saw there were some communications um at the end around noticing can you remind um, the board and myself included what the noticing requirements are for um, neighbors um, when an application is submitted? I can't, I'm going to answer for Brian because he's already sitting <laughs> back over there. Um, but it, uh, the notice, um, neighborhood notice for applications is a budding and confronting lots only. And then public hearing notice is a 300 foot radius mailer. Thank you. So I think it was 1510 um, that claimed they did not receive a notice, but that was possibly because they're neither abutting nor confronting. They no, they're adjacent to the rear property line. Right. They are. They are. Mm-hmm. If you um, look here, what I've highlighted is our project site. So we are sharing the property line on the rear here. Sorry, I think we are not oh, seeing you're not the seeing screen it anymore. All the screens in here have gone blank, but the the online we're good to go. But the screens in front of us in here, I guess up there too, is that correct? They're all down. Hmm. Uh-oh, got to figure that out. If you, if you have the application in front of you, you can go to page 24 um, that shows the adjacent lots. Page 24. Um, of, of the, page of two the of the staff sheets. report. The large, oh. Sorry, you can get <laughs> on both, but page 24 of the plan sheets, you can see right. the rear abutting property, the three single family homes. Okay, yeah, and um, I, I think once I look at the plans, I'll be able to see that, but then so maybe this is a question for the applicant. Um, I'm reading this correspondence. 
stated August 1st, claiming that, well, quote, we have not been contacted by the developer about the plans and only found out from a walk to the site and from another neighbor. So um, maybe this is for the applicant. Can you confirm um, that you contacted 1510 Carlton and if you um, just ballpark of what date that may have happened? Um, I did not contact these applicants, not intentionally, but it was, um, I think I missed the address. They are new development. So I don't think that address showed up in my Google Maps search. Thanks for clarifying. That makes sense. Any other questions for the applicant? Board Member Young. Um, if development standards were to change in the future and um, you could subdivide the proposed single family house into two units, was that a consideration at all? Um, if you had the ability to do that, could you do it? Like how onerous do you think it would be from like a construction standpoint? Um, it was something that we considered early on, but because SP9 doesn't apply to our two lots, um, we didn't really push that much further. And I just like to clarify that that front single family property, whether it's one unit or five units or demolished or anything in the future, whatever it is, that's not, even though you presented it as something, Similarly with the ADU, that is not any approval or denial or any decisions we make today do not pertain to that. Please. Thanks for your presentation. Um, I like the design very much, but I, I, what I'd like to do is just take a few minutes just to address the neighbors, because I think that neighbor relationships are really important. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just want, want to give you a chance to, to speak to both of the the, the letters to, to make sure that um, you're clear and they're clear. So in, in primarily to address that um, they're, they're making a, a request that you don't do a three-story, that you do a two-story. So um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say why it's important for this project to, to be a three-story. So that's one. It's, um, I'm, I'm going by the letter, so I think you're familiar with the letter, so it shouldn't be that confusing. And then, um, and then address address the setback. And oftentimes, things are emotional, right? So I think fair enough. And again, we're neighbors, so you got to deal with neighbors, you know, emotions. But I think by addressing them directly and being really clear about what your intent is and why you have your setbacks the way that they are and the, the three-story I think would be helpful. So if you'd address that letter, and so that's the owners at 1510. And then then the owners at uh, 1518, uh, again, to be really clear why your shadow studies don't agree with what they believe is true and how it will affect their family and their children playing. So I, I want to give you the opportunity to speak to both of those. Thank right. you. Thank you. Um, so in terms of uh, the setback, we have that and the size of the house. It's because we wanted to have, as I said, the variety of different sizing in this lot. And this kind of larger development is um, makes kind of our future proposed projects uh, more financially feasible. 
um, in terms of the site design because we are pushing all of the units along one side of the property line. Um, that requires uh, just a, as minimal setback as we can get. So I chose the four foot to match the AUP, uh, sorry, the ADU uh, rear setbacks. Um, and in terms of the shade, uh, after we received the letter from 1518 Carlton, we did do the kind of 3D um, shadow studies as opposed to our original applications, uh, 2D uh, shadow studies. And we found that the duration of the shade um, wasn't for very long and wasn't for all throughout the year. And um, it was not the entirety of their uh, property. So was there any outreach to, to both these people to, to, to talk with them about their concerns? Yeah, um, we actually all had a Zoom meeting earlier this week where they told me their concerns, but because I wanted to stay with this public hearing instead of redesigning the project and kind of pushing out the hearing date and having to redo the staff planner report, I kind of wanted to just present this as is so that I could hear the thoughts of the ZAB before moving forward. Okay, and then my final comment is, is that um, I, I'm very familiar with projects and trying trying to make the numbers work, and oftentimes um, you know, delays and requests and uh, things that uh, even if you're trying to work with your neighbors, um, if if you can't pencil it out, we don't have people to build. So um, I, I appreciate your your explanation, and I wish you luck with the the neighbors, and uh, hopefully that they'll feel better about the project and um, and feel good about people living there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to iterate that there will be public comments soon. So then, and the applicant will have the uh, opportunity to address any public comments as well. I have a, one last question for you, unless there are more. It looks like there is another one. Why don't you go ahead first, Board Member Lunapara? Thank you. Um, I understand that the ADU is outside of our purview. And so please stop me if this question is inappropriate. Um, but I was wondering if what the decision was to put the ADU in between the two houses instead of putting the ADU and then the house and then the other house or like, in the, yeah. you know, put it, putting the new house in the middle of the ADU and the old house. Um, because then that would prevent more shadow to the neighbors. But right. again, I don't know if this, I'm allowed to ask this question. So I don't know. Um, so I, I know the screens aren't working, but from my plan set, if you go to page three, the landscape and open space plan, um, you'll see that the where the ADU is placed, it only has 300 square feet of usable open space, which is under the minimum requirement for a dwelling. Uh, and that was a big reason. Um, secondary reason was just to have more building separation between the existing one-story house and the proposed house, because um, it's a minimum 16 feet. Thank, Thank you, you for clarifying. And I have a question also about, uh, have you set foot on the other side of the property line uh, over there and okay. in the rear? I have not. Okay. Thank you. Onto the neighbor's lot. Yeah. No. It's not a requirement right. or anything. I just know, you know, architects, we used to walk around and we to look at things and just curious if you, if you had, if you had been there, I understand you've reached out to the neighbors and you talk with them. So great. Board member Tregu. You've heard the last discussion around native plantings. I do see that you have a planting strip. Um, could you talk about, um, do you intend to use native plantings for um, all or some or most of it? 
we're not at a stage where we're picking the plants yet, but I'm definitely happy to use native plants and also proponent of that. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, just or real quick. We... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. thanks. Um, real quick on um, board member Lunapara's excellent question. Um, so it seemed like there were two reasons why it went main house ADU proposed single family house. One was the ADU needs minimum open space requirement. The the single family house needs the four hundred. Oh, okay. Right. Um, I guess just like geometrically, I'm trying to understand how switching the placing of the ADU mm. and the proposed single family house would preclude the 400 square feet, uh, 462 square feet minimum open space. Um, if we switched it, the back unit is going to require access. So it'll cut off the yard space as it'll be shared. It won't be part of the proposed structures yard. So if, if it's switched that usable open space for the new single family house would be communal? No, it's part of it would be, so it wouldn't be counted towards the, the usable open space. Oh, I see. Okay, right. for, uh, because circulation, I see. Yeah, because okay. for circulation to have access to the back unit. Mm. Thank you. Board Member Sanderson. I'd, I'd like to continue that discussion. So if you had transposed those two buildings, I understand that it wouldn't appear as nice from the front of the house because you'd have short, tall, and then short. Um, but you have a um, you have a side yard setback that can be used for the path. Um, so I understand that you. I believe I understand that you wanted to have the entrances to these two units. The single family through the new single family home in the potential ADU, you wanted to have those um, off of the, in, in out of the green space out of um, so that then they walk out of their home, they're in this, the open space, right. green space. And if you used, if you flipped them, transposed them is a better word, then, and you tried and you had the openings to the side yard setback, um, it wouldn't be as attractive for the home for the tenants going into those buildings. So um, I'm still struggling with this. So this is a nice layout, but it does put the taller building at the rear. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I have separate opinions I'm not going to share with about the shadowing. But just to think about it, um, appeasing the neighbors, um, I'm trying to find out if there is a reasonable way to transpose those two buildings. Um, it wouldn't make them. Anyway, that's my concern. Board Member Crandall. So when I drove by, I've driven by this project three times. And um to get a sense of light myself and also, but I I, I actually like very much this design i believe that the taller project uh won't be seen as much from the street um which i actually think blends with the the neighborhood so i i, I agree with this i also um it's easy to visualize just driving past and stopping mm -hmm. that um you know walking out the front door 
and in not having a building right there in front of you. So if you were to switch it, it you'd be you'd be feeling like it was more like an apartment building. So I agree with the open open space. Um, I, I don't know what members or um, Commissioner Sanderson's opinion is about uh, shadow studies and how legit they are, but let's just say they're totally legit. Um, it, it just seems like there is not a huge impact. I, I, I understand why you don't put the windows on the second floor. I'm, I'm just curious on, on the design on the inside. We can get, we can have some of that discussion here. Oh, okay. But anyway, I, want, I just wanted to say that um, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't switch them. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so just to uh, just to be clear on procedure here, that if we have any more questions for the applicant, we can ask them now, but we also can ask them later. So if we invite you back up, please please do okay. uh, come up. And if uh, this now is when anyone from the public wishes to speak, which I think is really important here. We do have written comments from the public, but in any of our future uh, discussion, I think it will be dependent upon having making sure that the public uh, comments uh, are heard. So we'll have in-person public comment, and then we'll have online public comment. Then we have the opportunity for the applicant to address public comment. We'll close the public hearing, and then we all can discuss as a board uh, after that. And the discussion, uh, I believe, will be a rich discussion. So uh, first, let's go to public comment. Well, should if I, there are no more... Should I leave the Zoom? Um, yes, please. Thank you. And thank you for your presentation. Thank you. We'll now move to uh, public comment. If there are no more questions at this time for the applicant, we'll begin with Karen Lee, and then we will have uh, Barry Posner. If it's okay, we're going to do that in the other order. Oh, sure. You're welcome to do it, of course. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Hi, welcome. Thank you. I need to push it back. Maybe you do. I mean, of course I can hear you, but okay. Hey, there well, you go. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I'm uh, my wife, Jackie and I, we live at 1512. And I wanted to, first of all, correct two factual errors in the staff report. First of all, here's a copy of a note that we wrote on March 30th with objections to the property uh, that were received by both um, Jim Bonday and Autumn Mabley. So if you put those in your whatever records you have, so that's all of the adjacent properties. We're the one that's most affected by this because 1512 is the, is the uh, property that is right at the north side of this new proposed uh, building. So uh, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know what all the legal stuff here is, but I will tell you that we take exception to the staff's comment that that they believe, and I want to emphasize that word, that they believe that this project would not be detrimental to the health, safety, peace, morals, unless they meant morals, but morals, comfort or general welfare of residents or workers in this area, because uh, this is just another single family unit like other family units are. Well, first of all, believes is an opinion and uh, we'd like to share a different opinion uh, because this will negatively affect us in particular and, and my neighbors, both uh, Karen is representing at 1510 and online, uh, Kate, who's at 1516. 
what the builders report in the documents that you that you received failed to and I appreciate Commissioner Crandall who tried to go buy the uh, property. I would invite her to come by our house. Here's a here's a picture here's a picture of what 1512 looks like and I draw your attention in particular to the back of our home which will be 20 feet away from a three-story building uh, which is the reason for our concerns about privacy uh, and about shadows. Got one minute. Sorry to interrupt, but there's one minute left. Um, well, uh, it's it's going it, it, to it's going to it's going to affect it's going to affect us. Uh, you talk about shadows. Uh, you can you can look at this on paper, but when you look at it on reality, you're talking about taking ten or fifteen feet away from the backyard. Uh, secondly. It seems to me as I've listened here, there's some confusion, I think, because the permit here is not for an ADU. It's about where the three-story three building should be on this property. And the question before you seems to be not where does the ADU go, but where does the three-story building go? And right now, we would say the three-story building should be set back from the fence. Uh, and then once that property is built, Apparently, they don't need your approval to build an ADU, and they can do what they want on the available space that's available on that property. Barry, thank you. You've got 10 more okay. seconds if you want to wrap it up. Thank you. Okay, Karen Lee, and I'm, I just want to apologize. Normally, we have the timer up on the screen here. Um, it is on the screen online, but it, the screens aren't working here. Um, so, Karen, I can also, you've got two minutes, but I can give you the one minute warning if you want. Would you like it? How about I you give just... me a little bit of time to adjust this to my height? Oh, take all the time you need. Barry is like, there is no rush. Take, take your time. Welcome. All right. Can everyone hear you. me? We can hear you. All right. You and I'll try to go fast. I have three minutes. Is that right? You've got two two minutes. And then if we have questions, we can ask you questions. Oh, gosh. I will do a speedy read then. Um, hi, my name is Karen Lee. I'm at 1510 Carlton Street. Um, I have my husband as well as uh, a two kids, one and three, um, and we are behind the proposed structure with the shared fence. Like 1512 and 1518, who's on the line, we are also concerned about the current design proposal, which is a three-story structure that is only a four-foot setback from our property line of our very small yard. Our understanding is that per code, the setback needs to be at least 20 feet, um, and this would impact the privacy of our home. Our ask today is really just for the developer to switch the location of the planned three-story ADU um, to some of the questions that were already brought up with the location of the, sorry, the planned three-story structure with the location of the ADU that they have planned. We spoke with the um, designer on Tuesday who indicated in conversation that she was open to um, discussing that switch. And we're here to request that that change be made to the plans. Switching the structures would not reduce the um, number of units and we better preserve the current situation as well as the privacy of all the neighbors involved. In all, we're asking for some common sense here, as well as some consideration to the neighbors, um, while the city is also able to increase housing. While there are only um, three households and neighbors here today, we have also anecdotally heard from other neighbors and even other developers who have heard through the grapevine about the development and are surprised by the height and proximity of the structure to the property line. I also lastly want to be clear that we support the city's policy for new housing um, and are not asking for a reduction in the number of dwellings. We're simply asking to not have a three-story home overlooking our property and our small yard. 
Um, lastly, as a matter of process, we want to make sure we're properly informed moving forward, um, since we are adjacent neighbors. We, along with 1512, who um, just spoke, were not on the mailing list to be informed of the plans um, for the property or of this hearing. Kate from 1518, she's on the line today, um, was kind enough to let us know. But we then proactively reached out to the designer um, a few days ago to set up a conversation. We're asking to be better informed moving forward and have the time to be able to discuss these things and come to an agreement so that we can, um, so that we can have a longer listening and talking in lead time. Thank you. Right. How'd I do? Thank you. You did amazing. And uh, I appreciate your, we appreciate your preparedness and the clarity. We've heard you. Thank you. Okay. It's going to be hard to do without a clock in front of you, but you did it. It was amazing. Um, are there any, so there are no more in-person comments. Now we'll go online. For anybody online who wishes to comment, there are two hands raised. First, we have Kelly Hammergren. You've got two minutes. Okay, um, thank you. And thank you, Igor, for correcting me early, earlier while I was trying to get my computer going. Um, I had, and I- You should be unmuted. Kelly Hammergren, are you there? Oh, well, we have a power outage issue here. If, if the screens aren't working, then maybe it's the mics are not working either. Can you not need to check. Can you hear me? Zoom appears to be working. Right, so can you hear me? Zoom is working just fine, but our screens aren't working and the uh, audio, well, audio system is working because you all can hear me. But for some reason, we can't hear um, online. So maybe it is just Kelly's microphone. Uh, I'm we'll, we'll get to the answer to this, actually, because we have two commenters. Kate, um, you're next, but why don't we just switch and we'll we'll know if this is our issue. Kate, um, why don't you go first, and then Kelly will go next. So, Kate, you are asked to unmute. Testing, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, it's our issue. Hello? Hello? This is the first time we've had this difficulty, so thank you for your patience, everybody. We don't have a technician here either to address it. Um, we do have an AV person, so I'm going to go check in with him. Great. Um, we can see um, their closed caption comments. Would it be a circuit breaker that the screens are on or something or no? I like the creativity there. Uh, however, this might create a there, there might there's a bigger issue because it's not just Kate because we also have Kelly and anyone else who might be able to call in. So this is a structural issue that like we need to address. Chair, I'd be willing to give Kelly my phone number if she wants I, to call my number and do the same speaker if you want to. May I recommend that we maybe just take a short recess and see if there's anything that we can do? 
Love that idea. We're gonna take we're gonna take a ten minute recess. And usually we'll take a nine, a ten minute recess at a cashner's break at nine o'clock, but we're gonna take it now at at eight twenty three. So I'll see you all in ten minutes. Thank you. Can I just do that and make a make a ten minute break with no vote? I did it. So our first line of defense is just restart the Crestron. So just try that right now. And I'm trying to get a hold of David, but he was teaching. I don't know where to be. Thank you. 
So it looks like it might be. It seems like maybe the HDMI is a little bit wiggly. I don't know how that may happen. Uh, but it's, it kind of flickers to blue when it's in the blue. So that's no, that's the weird thing. Is it? It seems like we just restarted the press chart and and did uh, it started to play nice again. As a heads up, the press chart at my other job has also been somewhat wonky. So and. It, yeah, so a lot of the people that I'm working with in the restaurant are saying that you need more funds than you So that's the But they were back. Yeah, because I told them I told them that this bill was basically took place over like four years between Ariel and Brian, you, like somewhere. So nobody has really been trained on it. Like, Extensively in terms of single flow, so maybe it's out of here, like you know, yeah, okay. So it looks like we're up and running. I'm gonna get these guys, uh, all right, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, see how the dice rolls now. All right, we're good. So we're we're good. We're good up here. We're good back there. I'm, I'm very certain we'll be good back on the stream. We're good. We're green all the time.
It's eight thirty two. Okay, it is 8.32, and thank you to everybody for uh, your patience and for fixing the technology. We should be fixed, and we should be up and running now, so we're going to pick up uh, where we left off. Where we left off is online comment. We have two commenters, and uh, the first uh is Kelly Hammergren. The second is Kate. Uh, first, Kelly, you've got uh, two minutes. Hope this works. Okay, can you hear me now? We can hear you. All right. Technology. Thank you. Um, so I just had a couple of comments. I appreciate uh, hearing that you would be using um, native plants or you're agreeable to using native plantings and calscape can give you um the pollinators uh for each plant uh, and what kind of birds the native plant attracts so that's calscape it's a great resource um in the bird safe ordinance um the residences were excused from having to do bird safe glass 
but 44% of the bird glass collisions, according to the scientists, are within the from the ground to the first three floors. So that's um, all of those windows are a significant hazard for birds, and it would be much appreciated if you would use bird safe glass and you can always use windows that open with screens on the outside uh, like double hung windows those are bird safe and even fit the ordinance if it applied to single family residences uh, the other comment uh, it was confusing when i first looked at this to have the adu um, on the plan for reference when we're looking at the single family home. And because so much of the um, ground is going to be covered with um, uh, housing uh, in the eventual plan, I was going to ask or suggest that permeable paving be used everywhere that it's possible. And you might want to go over to 30, I think it's 3102 Eaton, Eaton, E-T-O-N, and there's permeable paving sidewalk, which is really a pleasure to walk on. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Kate, you are next. And I see we also have Lawrence Smith following after Kate. Welcome, Kate. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Kate Margolis. I'm a clinical psychologist and a UCSF faculty member. I'm a division chief at San Francisco General Hospital, and I'm a homeowner at 1518 Carlton and the mother of a four-year-old and a six-year-old daughter, both who are enrolled at UC Berkeley Early Childhood Ed Program, and we've lived in Berkeley since 2016. I'm speaking on behalf of myself and not on behalf of, my, of UCSF today. Um, I want to reiterate the comment in the report that says the staff believes the project would not be detrimental to the health, safety, morals, comfort, or general welfare of residents. I want to go on record that I disagree with this very subjective statement. I will be responding to the concerns related to sunlight, privacy, and airspace. In 2019, we were asked to sign off on having reviewed plans for the Carlton Complex next door to us. Having become a homeowner just a few months earlier and having just given birth to my second child, regretfully, we signed off with no contest. Fast forward to having two new very large houses in the backyard of that lot, where there used to just be one in the front, here's how we're impacted. New significant shadows to the front yard, making it virtually unusable for ourselves and our children after the sun goes behind the buildings. In addition, three windows are now blocked just a few feet from the side of our house, where we previously had open airspace and sunlight coming into our windows. Our countermeasure to this problem was to completely redo our back patio and deck area to make sure that we had a private space where sunlight also came during the day. If this project moves forward as is, it will create new problems for us in terms of reduced sunlight, increased privacy concerns, both to our patio area, downstairs bedroom, and second story bedroom. It will block out the only open air viewing space that we have from the back of the house. We are a working family. The only time we have to enjoy our yard is the afternoon sunlight in which the spring and winter seasons will be impacted. Out the window of our upstairs bedroom, we have watched Longfellow baseball games, 
their commencement promotion ceremony, and recently July 4th fireworks. This project is too big and too close to our property line. I'm concerned for our property um, and that of my neighbors, especially 1512, who will be impacted. It will stick out like a sore thumb on this block that contains a historically Black church and Longfellow Middle School. We ask for reductions in the height of the building, and if nothing else, moving the taller building much further forward into the property. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. We appreciate it. Lawrence Smith, you are next. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Hi, this is Audrey. Lawrence, my husband, is actually tending to our four-month-old baby. Um, I wanted to just hop on. We're the tenants at 1512 who are directly behind the proposed project. Uh, we'll be living through the construction of it. Um, our concern is largely with the noise and construction and the debris with our newborn, but I want to reiterate all the key concerns that were spoken about today, particularly with the substantial height of the building and being so close to the property line. If I could zoom for you guys a visual of our backyard, you could see just how close that would really be. There would be practically no sunlight uh, getting into the backyard. The building would be facing directly into the main bedroom. Um, as well as the main living space. Uh, so it would be very impactful on us. Uh, and I agree with all the other commentators that it would be ideal to swap this building with the proposed location of the ADU. Thank you. Thank you so much for your comment. So that's, that is it for uh, all public comments. I just want to say thank you for everyone being patient with us and being patient um, and, to, and waiting for your turn to speak, especially families. I know kids need to go to bed and everything, and it gets tricky about when do I actually get called on. So thank you. You were called on. We've heard you. Everyone has heard you. And uh, those of you in person, we've heard you as well. This is now the time when the applicant can come up and address any of the, you have the opportunity if you wish, you have two minutes to come up and address mm -hmm. any of the comments that have been spoken. Only. Not required, but thank you for coming up and uh, letting us hear your thoughts. I'll put the thing back on because it's crunchy. Yeah, you, uh, the two so, of you can, can come speak together. I think Kevin Casey, he's the CEO of uh, Avenue Homes. Um, I just but want two to add, uh, uh, three points. Um, the first is if we do swap it, the single family house will not meet the code requirement for open space. Um, the second is it's going to require an additional AUP to go from the um, building separation minimum from 16 feet to four feet. Um, and three, the deeper structure in the middle will break up the communal garden that we're trying to accomplish with having this micro complex. Thank you. Uh, Welcome. Yes. Hi. So communal garden, I think is a key part. The whole idea is that you enter the property and you have a whole shared almost 20 foot wide yard from the sidewalk to the rear property line that you can see from end to end and four different households will come together and be able to share that space. Uh, so that was one driving force in the design. Um, for me, the height thing, we did consider the shadow studies. I do believe the shadow studies, and I thought it was very negligible, the impact, which I was a little surprised by. Um, and the reality is what we're talking about today, I think, is we have a 27-foot wall height on four, foot, four feet off. And a by-right accessory dwelling unit or any concession to go down might lower it to 20 feet or so. And it'd have a major impact on the quality of the house that we're creating. Like, I, too, have kids. I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old at home right now. 
And I think of this big house as a perfect house. It's four bedrooms. I'm in a two bedroom, one bath now, which people with kids can commiserate with. It's not bad, but I look at this four bedroom house and I'm like, this is great. And then next to it, we'll have a three bedroom ADU and next to that, a two bedroom and next to that, another two bedroom. So it is a variety of housing. So it's important to us to make this kind of house and this size of house. That's where we're coming from. And I think it does come back to the, the actual wall height is not that dramatic. And we've talked about it, like flattening the roof. It's not going to impact the shadow study very much because it's a gabled roof. Um, so that's what we're, that's how we got to the design we have. And I think it's a fairly well-considered design. Um, so that's, that's about it. Thank you so All much. Right. I, I appreciate you responding. Um, okay. So that, yep, you're good to go. Now, uh, all in favor, closing the public hearing and beginning discussion, say aye. 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 Okay. So the public hearing is now closed. Um, unless we open it back up to have questions, but we may not do that. So now is the time at which we get to discuss as a board. There are no motions on the table, um, but um, we, we can discuss as a board what we've heard, and then we can also discuss any motions on the table too. Board Member Gaffney. Um, I just have one quick question for staff. Can we just um, clarify what the amount of usable open space is needed for the proposed um, single family house that we're reviewing? Is that 400? What was that? I have to look in the staff. Sorry. <laughs> it's um, it's four hundred square feet per dwelling unit. Okay. So it would be it would be a total of eight hundred square feet for with the existing dwelling and the proposed dwelling. Okay. So say we did um switch the two and the proposed single family home that we're reviewing gets switched with the ADU. Um, if they were to have an entrance through the side yard and use that 185 square feet of usable open space as the entrance, then we stood, they still would meet the 462 usable open space requirements. I guess that's just, I, just, I wanted to lay out if that was actually possible to switch the two, since one of the arguments was that we wouldn't meet the usable open space requirements. It does at least look to me that there would be a possibility that we could still meet them and switch the two. And I just want to hear from the fellow commissioners as to if they think that's possible at all, or if that's something that we're interested in doing or not. So that's my discussion. Cool. I, I, I'll, I'll respond. And, and uh, it's not, I just want to say, it's not our job to, to find out what's feasible for them or not. It's their job to show it and share it with us. Um, so, Oh, you know, we we can make some assumptions based on what we're looking at, um, and uh, that's that's all we can do. Um, that's all, and that's that's the best we could do. Board member Young. Okay, um, I want to agree with yes that we can't design the project if we think that. The project has not been thought through thoroughly, and there's opportunities to work things out with the neighbors, then we could continue the project. Um, I will say that the layout of the green space makes sense, and it's shared by all the, the families, and that's, I think, a really good consideration, um, so that having people walk up, even though I put that on the table, walk up on the side yards that four foot side yard step back would be um 
not nearly as as enticing or friendly. Um, it certainly wouldn't draw neighbors together, you know. So I think, um, you know, if I just leave it at that. I have a couple just <clears throat> comments um, as as well that aren't aren't related to emotion, but just given everything that we've heard, first I want to say I really appreciate the applicant and New Avenue Homes for working to bring new housing to our city. We need it. And it's, 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 of course, we all support that and believe in it so much. So that's, that's key. Now, how we do it is a nuanced thing for me in, in terms of what, what we've seen and having, um, yeah, having read every word and having seen even the new, the new documents that were given us to us today, there's a couple of issues that I come, that come up that I do think matter. There's a couple of things and, and um, please chime in if you think that, uh, if 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 I'm wrong, but this is protected by the HAA, so we cannot reduce its volumetric uh, square footage. But that said, in only considering the three-story dwelling, what we can do is it can move, and it can move independent of an ADU. The ADU is not part of this, so it can move independent of the ADU, and so that is within our purview. And it also the footprint can change. The footprint can shape be different shapes. It, it is not mandated that it be this shape per this exact design. And so we'd still be in compliant with the HAA for the, for the shape to change. That said, also, there's a couple concerns I think I have about this that, that are worth noting, which is uh, you need an AUP to go up another story. So they're asking for an AUP to go up another story, and that happens all the time. But you also need an AUP to encroach into the rear yard. So they're asking for an AUP to do that, too. So when you do that, and then you, then you say, oh, then we need an ADU as well. So you say, we're going taller. We're also going closer to the rear yard. That th Those things to me become um, like a doubling down or almost tripling down when you add the ADU that I think are worthy of our consideration. Um, so I don't want to make the project any smaller. I don't think that's, that's not even within our purview. But I do think there, in opportunities like this, a big three-story square is not necessarily the answer. I think that working with neighbors and working with your architect to, to come up with and study something that is no smaller, but actually addresses the issues about solar access and the issues around adjacent concerns, I think are very solvable through design. And I think design can do that. And I, and, and I love and I hope that design and the community discussion uh, with neighbors can achieve that. I don't know if that's possible, but that's just my hope and belief. Um, that said, I also think that the idea of flipping the two footprints um, is also one, in my mind, just looking at it from a conceptual standpoint is a very viable and actually I think is quite a smart idea, but that's just my personal take. Any other just general discussion comments or board member Young? Uh, I wanted to ask anyone who might know so um, there was mention of egress and ingress. Um, so looking at the plan view of this site, the proposed project, um, there is a four foot setback on um, one of the uh, one of the sides of the ADU. I, I guess I'm wondering um, the requirements for egress ingress. If a property only, if a if a backyard single family house only has uh, access via one forfeit setback is that allowable? Mm -hmm. It's allowable. Okay. 
Okay, in that case, it does seem to me um, not arriving at a decision yet, but it does seem to me like an option would be to um, deny the request for AUPs in such a way that the option moving forward in the future would be to switch the two um, because of the way you, you could request a AUP for the four foot setback between the primary structure and the single family house. And, um, you know, there is wiggle room to reduce the dedicated open space for the proposed single family house such that um, you could even have uh, egress ingress will still be maintained. So that seems to me like an interpretation. But I wanted to ask a question for the owner of 512, Carlton, are you there? 1512, sorry. Um, sorry, the public oh, sorry. hearing is closed. So oh. we're, we're in we're in closed doors and everyone's watching us in our Never mind. Okay, here. no questions. Um, then I'll just make the assumption that we had a virtual commenter say that they signed off on a new apartment complex, which I'm assuming is 512, which I just find kind of funny in that, you know, 15, oh, 15, 8, never mind, never mind. I think it's 15, 8, 15. It was adjacent to yeah. the Carl, the three Carlton homes. Yeah. So, correct. My recollection from the discussion is that she, that the fifteen eighteen parcel had been developed first and it had occupants. And then they signed off on these three new buildings, 1510, 1512, and 1516. Right. Those are all. So the, her concern was that she had signed off. And now if you look at the uh, winter solstice um, or even the summer solstice, you'll see that they're getting a lot of shade from the buildings that they had signed off on. Right. So I think it's, um, you know, caution about having signed off once and, and had a, a fair amount of shadow Yeah. that they're anxious about signing off again. Yeah. Okay. So that answered my question, which is virtual commenter regrets signing off on 1512, but 1512 was built and now people who live on that property are opposing this. So I just... Yes. That seems to be an observation. One one thing also, just for the sake of discussion, that I think is 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 fair to discuss is uh, when we're talking about detriment and we're talking about shading people's open space and how valuable that open space might be. I just would like to note, based on what I've heard, but also the architect in me, and based on what I see, is that rear property has been developed in a way with three single-family homes that it really has sort of built itself out in a way, in a, in a really efficient and, and smart and important infill way. But it, what it's done is it's left the, the only open space for the two homes on, on the back of that property is that property line open space. Does that make sense? So that's actually their only front yard. They don't have a front yard. And so it is, a, a, for me, it just, it's a little bit of a, it's something I've heard from people, but just the architect in me, I think it's important to note that that is, that becomes a much more sort of critical um, space in terms of their needs. I understand. Um, and it's just worth noting. Um, board member Gaffney. Um, I first want to say, I guess that I, I do really, I appreciate New have new homes and I really love seeing um, this kind of density um, and a different mix of all different um, unit types. Um, and I can really tell there's an emphasis on community. And I do, I really, I'm excited to be able to, you know, see that at this property. I appreciate all of our discussions. 
um, for this. Um, the one thing that uh, strikes me is it does seem since the since the neighbors at 1510 and 1512 didn't necessarily get uh, proper timing of uh, you know they didn't get their letters out saying that this was um, happening because. Um, to me, that is a little, it, it seems like there should be more discussion rather than, you know, it just seems like they just discussed this coming like on Monday about this. And that obviously doesn't give the architect or designer enough time to implement that. So I, I guess this is me trying to figure out if this is something we should extend and allow them to have more time to discuss. As Yes was kind of saying, it's not that we want to at all limit, you know, we're not trying to make the size any smaller, but to at least give the neighbors, especially those two units um, who weren't notified in time, uh, to at least discuss with the architecture designer um, other ways that that could be, um, you know, fixed up in this single family home. So that's just something for me um, that I'm a little... Yeah, I kind of want to give those two neighbors especially more time. Um, so I'm interested to hear what everyone else has to say. Thank you, Board Member Gaffney. Board Member Chegu. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Gaffney, for evoking something much more eloquently than um, I could. But I was thinking about that very thing. And yes, and uh for those of you fellow old timers and Commissioner Sanderson, I count you as one since we, I think you were staff when we occasionally at Zab had this type of discussion where the, the value of a continuance and, um, you know, there, there are always, um, continuances are not always the most efficient way to move something forward. Sometimes it is the easy way out, but then folks just come back and nothing has been resolved. I think though in this, this is an exceptional case given just for completely understandable reasons um, perhaps, but the fact that um, two properties that probably are most impacted were not included until uh, later on in the process. Um, and under the SB 330 uh, rules, um, this is public hearing number one. So this property is entitled to five. Oh. <laughs> yeah, one of I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Um, SB 330. Yep. Housing Crisis Act of 2019, according to page nine. Um, anyway, I, I do think, though, if we were to continue, and I would support such a motion to continue, we do need to be specific about what kind of alternatives we would like for the applicant to study and work out with the neighbors. And I think there is an, what I'm hearing is an emerging consensus on that point on the board. Um, the possibility of swapping the main property and the ADU, um, the possibility of moving it back where an AUP um, for those four feet might not be required. Um, 
And I, I am, though, also sympathetic about what the applicant was saying about trying to have a communal yard. I do think that is also an important feature. Um, uh, and it, it's not a community benefit per se, but it is a benefit to um, a group of families that will be living on that property. Um, so I think just um, if there was a possibility to study those and other alternatives, and I'm not an architect and I'm deferring to the architects and other experts on this board, um, we may be able to come back here and at least we will know what the benefits um, and costs are both to the applicant and to the uh, immediate neighbors. Any other discussion for the Um I'm okay with the continuance, but I don't think we should describe to them the alternatives they should consider. There's There are a number of features that could be varied. The ADU could be smaller. The, you know, this footprints could not be square, you know, they could be a different kind of footprint. So I, I would not like to um, second guess what their best, alter the alternatives they should consider. I think that's something that they and the neighbors could brainstorm about. But I would like, um, if we do continue it, for them to come back with an explanation of here are the alternatives we considered, and here's the one that we believe is best and the neighbors do or don't agree with them. So, but I don't, I don't want to tell them how to do their business. I would just like to make a comment. We've got one minute before nine o'clock and we have a question for staff. If, if the captioners break is required. We uh, already took a 10 minute break. So we can call that the captioners break. Okay. Thank you. Board member Tregu. Um. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Sanderson. Um, I am convinced that perhaps um, we should just, I mean, they heard us, this is on the record. So I'm just going to make, a, I'm gonna move that we continue um, not to a date certain, but to a um, staff help me out um, if it, it would be a date that, um, you know, when I, I would like the applicants to take whatever time they need and hopefully reach consensus. But if not, and if, if there is an impasse, kind of they get to be the determiners of, you know, with staff support of when it can be scheduled again. So is that a continuance off calendar? Yes, that's correct. Or to to a date uncertain, but no, I I don't want to be uncertain about. <laughs> um, I I I move to continue this project off calendar, and I would be open to any additional um, just hearing if any amendments to that motion are needed to make it more clear. I would like to. If you would accept an, a friendly amendment to continue it to a date certain, we need concurrence from the applicant uh, who's going to have to take the time and probably revise plans. 
and resubmit those plans so that there's enough time for that. Um, so I would rather go to a date certain because my experience is that if there's not a date certain, then things will, nobody's has an incentive. Well, not nobody, but both sides don't have an incentive to resolve it quickly. Uh, and a date certain will give them a little push to talk to each other. Um, so we are, what's today? It's now August 10th. If we moved it to a date certain to uh, September 28th, I believe we have a meeting on that day. Hmm. Staff? Can we ask staff? Because they also... We're trying to pull it up. Yeah, yeah. they're going to ask them what works for them. And I'd yeah. like to hear from the developer what what would work for them. That would be six weeks, I think, more or less. Yeah. I'd be friendly to your amendment as long as that date works for staff. It, yeah, in terms of just rescheduling, I will say that we do need a five-week lead time on um, staff reports. So like rescheduling for six weeks uh, out doesn't give staff enough time to analyze a revised project. So that would be 10-12 is the following meeting, October 12th. But that would mean they would have to complete their discussion five weeks uh, ahead of the staff meeting, of the ZAB meeting, which I think is. And then yeah, we would need revised plans by the end of the month and for October. September? Or for October 12th. For October 12th, you'd need plans by the end of the month. Um, we did add November 30th to our calendar. So we do have a November meeting this year. Um, if October is too soon. And we also have 1214. Um, so if you receive the plans by the end of September, we could they could go to the meeting on October. Chair, I have a question. Chair, yes, mm -hmm. if if the applicants don't have different plans, but they would just they're just taking this time to have talks with the the neighbors. So is is the emo, is the motion that they come back to the table with new plans? Is that I mean, is that a requirement? Is that what you're asking for? Or are you just asking for a continuance? Because it seems like the discussion is. They're all, you're trying to figure out the timing based on them coming back with new plans, and that's assuming they're going to have new plans. Right. It's a, board member Tregu, you made the motion, so you could answer that question. Yeah. The intent of my motion is to give all parties time to talk, and that may result in new plans, but it may not. Now, generally, um, what we've seen with the continuance, generally not always, but um, there may be some tweaks to the plans um, that come back. Not always. I, I actually, I'm convinced by Commissioner Sanderson's comments that we probably should not be prescriptive. Um, although I will say that um, speaking for me personally, um, uh, 
the the concerns of the neighbors um, do sound legitimate to me. So I will personally be looking for at least an attempt to try to work this out in an amicable way. And I just would like to also note um, that we can discuss the motion after, and that discussion is in the public forum, and items may come up in that discussion too. Um, Board Member Crandall. Thank you. I'll, I'll wait till that point. Okay. Board Member Young. So um, in order to better understand this motion, I guess I want to better understand alternatives for what ZAB can do are. <laughs> Is that okay? What ZAB can endure or ZAB can, can do? Can do. <laughs> We're going to go Sorry. all night. <laughs> um, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the uh, applicability of the Housing Accountability Act to this project. The Housing Accountability Act says um, we can't reduce the density without certain very high threshold written findings. Um, with the project at which, where it meets objective standards. So I guess my question is, is the line of where what is considered objective standards, the development standards without AUPs or with AUPs? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I forgot the answer. Like is um, the protected project, the version that has would theoretically receive AUPs or the one that gets the entitlements without AUPs, I guess is what I'm wondering. Is that a question for staff? That's a question for staff, and it's yeah. a question if the AUP requests are also protected under the HAA. I'm going to direct um, our attention to the staff report mm -hmm. um, to page eight. Um, so this is a, a housing development project consisting of a new three-story single-family dwelling built behind an existing single-family home. The project complies with the applicable objective general plan and zoning standards. However, the project includes administrative use permits to allow for the construction of a building over 28 feet in average height and to modify the rear setbacks. Um, there are no objective standards for those AUPs. Therefore, the project cannot um, be denied in a way that reduces the density or feasibility of the project unless ZAB can make the written findings um, that it will have a specific adverse impact effect on public health and safety, and that there's no feasible way to method to satisfactorily mitigate or avoid those specific adverse impacts. Okay, thank you. And I guess the applicability of my question to the motion is, Okay, imagine a hypothetical where we continue it and then the same proposal is brought to us and then we continue it and then you do that until we hit meeting four. And then what do we do at meeting four, right? Because we got to leave a meeting for a buffer for one meeting and it's like, is the ultimate counterfactual that we like deny the AUPs, is that legal? I guess that's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Um, the, I guess my interpretation of the staff report is to think that objective um, 
conformity under objective standards is that without the AUPs. So I guess what I'm laying out is that is an option. There is a project of the same square footage that does not have AUPs and does not need them in that rear yard. Just thinking geometrically speaking. Board member Dragu. Um, yeah, so in that hypothetical, which I hope will only and forever more remain a hypothetical, we would actually have to act by meeting for because the fifth one is reserved for council. But um, I think what like, and this is, I'm stating this on the record, if I'm here at the next meeting, if this motion passes and there's a continuance, um, I would want us to do an up or down vote on at the next meeting. Um, it serves no purpose to keep um, kicking the can down the road. Um, I you reminded me of something I forgot to add though. Um, I think the applicant, when they came back and uh, responded to some of the comments, they mentioned that certain other AUPs may need to be applied for if the property were to be um, moved back. Um, and I am stating on the record that I would be open to that um, if there was some kind of way that the density um, of the project could be preserved and um, some of the impacts that are of concerns to the neighbors could be mitigated by so doing. Thank you. Board Member Sanderson. Um, I'd like to suggest a schedule uh, as a friendly amendment to the motion. I don't know if we got a second on that motion, but not yet. Not yet. I okay. did not. So, and um, I'm suggesting that um, we can to get to an, an October 19th meeting, uh, if we allowed three weeks for the applicant and the neighbors to talk and consider their options. And then in two weeks after that, have the revised plan submitted. Now, I don't know if, if that's doable, practical. Um, then the staff would still have five weeks to prepare the staff report. So we would be expecting people to meet and come to whatever agreement they can by August 31st. And um, then by September 14th, revised plans would come in, although I think sometimes we can tweak these deadlines and then take it to the October 19th meeting. That's as soon as I think we can get to um, keep it as short as possible. And as far as whether they come back with plans or not, I think and more AUPs or different AUPs, I don't think that's for discussion here. If they come back with a plan that's they've revised the plan and that causes them to revise the the uh, AUPs they need, and that does present a problem of having to renotice. Do we have to renotice on a continuance? We don't renotice if it's continued to a date certain, but 
I would re-notice if the use permit uh, required, yeah, if the required permits changed. Oh, we would still within that five weeks have time to. Yeah, we know. Yeah, the notice goes out two weeks before the hearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that would be plenty of time for staff to do their work and to get another notice out. Now, August is not usually a great time to meet with folks because lots of people go on vacation. But um, I think, given that the issues are kind of focused and contained, that um, three weeks to have the discussion. It could be sooner. I mean, you could do it in one week. Um, it doesn't have to take three. And then September 14th, submit the plans, revised plans, if there are any. And if not, submit alternatives considered in the, you know, why they were accepted or rejected. So, and then October 19th would be the hearing. It, it's actually, it's October 26th. We don't have the second on. hearing. Okay. All right, so I stand corrected. Well, then that gets That's one more week stuff. in the mix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I would, the friendly amendment would be to continue the project to uh, October 26th, um, giving the applicant and the neighbors time to see if there's any improvements that can be made. And if, if they aren't, then they'll come back and explain why. And if there are, then they'll have revised plans and explain how they got there. Yes, I'm friendly to that. So okay. October 26th would be the date certain. Okay, so I can second your motion. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I appreciate your care and concern about the urgency and making sure that we are, are not dragging this any any more uh, than, than necessary. And I hope that we see, uh, uh, I hope we see the uh, productive, uh, relationship and communication, and that it's reflected in the design. I, I, I do believe that design can help resolve these things. They may, they may not, but I, I, I hope that uh, you have the chance to do so. And part of uh, the importance of this also is that we've heard from each of you that a discussion has begun and it's not closed. And so that's partly, I think, also um, why a continuance might be very productive. Any comments, Board Member Young? Um. I can't believe I'm supporting continuing a residential project to <laughs> but here we are. And I just want to say to share with the neighbors, um, like one of the lessons I really learned from being here is that um, I think the issue at hand is the fact that we have these discretionary processes set up. If we just had clear rules about what you could and couldn't do, then I don't think it would feel as harsh for a building to get built near you that casted shadows. And I'm not also I'm also not um, invalidating the negative impacts they'll create. It will. It's just that this is kind of an interesting scenario where the trade-offs aren't necessarily between, you know, housing and more housing. It's really it is really like a design question to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just guess I, I want to say like whatever happens, just like I hope you love whoever lives there. <laughs> Board Member Sanderson. Can we call, the, are there more comments or can we call the question? If there are no more comments, then let's, let's vote. Okay, we're going to vote. Okay, so the motion is um, to continue the project to a date certain to October 26th. Commissioner Trigu. Aye. 
Chair Duffy? Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney? Yes. Commissioner Thompson is absent. Commissioner Lunapara? Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe is absent. Commissioner Crandall? Yes. Commissioner Young? Yes. Commissioner Sanderson? Yes. Okay, so the motion passes. This project is continued to a date certain. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you to all of you for your patience and time with us as, as we work through this. We are excited to see you again uh, in, in the near future. Uh, great. We got a thumbs up from the architect. We got a thumbs up from the neighbors. Go Berkeley. Thank you. And thank you to the board. So next we have, so that's it for action items. We now have uh, subcommittee reports, design review committee. Um, well, it'll be easy because we haven't had a meeting since we last saw you and Zab. Uh, our meeting's next week, so I will report back uh, next time with new projects. Any staff communications? There are no staff communications tonight. Okay, so um, that ends our meeting. We'll vote to close the meeting. And uh, I just want to say that the, we we experience a lot of neighbor you know, we we manage a lot of neighbor relationships here and help them along. And and I just want to celebrate the, the the fact that those who don't see this, the neighbors are talking to the applicant right now in front of us. And I'm just thankful and proud. And uh, I think that's wonderful. So uh, with that, I would like to make a motion to close the meeting. I'll second it. <laughs> all those say all those in favor say aye. 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 Thanks. <laughs> The meeting Thank is you. closed. Thank you, commissioners. It's been nice to sit at the same table with you. Good group. Thank you.